Welcome to the Bot Canon, where we take the first 100 words of a classic piece of human literature and give it to a bot to see how they would finish it. Today, we're reading Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Christmas won't be Christmas without any presents, grumbled Joe, lying on the rug. It's so dreadful to be poor, sighed Meg, looking down at her old dress. I don't think it's fair for some girls to have plenty of pretty things and other girls nothing at all, added little Amy with an injured sniff. We've got father and mother and each other, said Beth contentedly from her corner. The four young faces on which the firelight shone brightened at the cheerful words, but darkened again, as Joe said sadly, We haven't got father, and shall not have him for a much longer time. Why not, dear? asked her mother, putting her arm around her. "'because he was killed at the Battle of Fredericksburg when I was only eight years old, "'and for a long time I could not remember who he was or understand that I was his daughter.' "'Tell us about father,' Amy said. "'I don't remember him either.' "'So Jo told her story, not sparing herself or her little sisters for their sakes as well as her own. "'She shared her memory of seeing him fall and holding his lifeless hands in hers, "'and she tried to tell them how lonely and deserted it had felt to be left all alone in the big house.' and how frightened she had been when she first began to recollect that this was her father and that she loved him. When she was done, her sisters were wiping away tears. "'Oh, Joe, you do tell such splendid stories,' Meg said, "'and we do so enjoy them.' "'It's dreadful to think there is such misery in the world,' sighed little Amy, "'and we have no father and shall not have him any more.' The four sisters were all solemn for a moment, and then Meg said cheerfully, "'Well, we don't like to cry about it, but somebody has to be the heroine, and it might as well be us.' and they all set about to their heroic tasks. Meg stirred the fire, Joe dusted, Beth cleared away the table, and Amy got the tea ready. Presently, Joe said, as she glanced out the window at the snow, "'If Laura comes to visit us today, we shall have a fine sleigh ride.' "'I should think you would be here this minute if the weather were not so dreadful,' returned Meg. "'I should like to know how he gets along, poor fellow.' "'There's his horse, I declare!' exclaimed Amy, pointing out the window, and the girls all ran out into the snow, laughing and clapping their hands.' A handsome black horse, pawing and snorting in the drifted bank, drew the sleigh which Laurie was driving. Laurie hopped out of the sleigh and shook the snow from his fur capote, while Amy fell on his neck, exclaiming, "'Dear, dear old fellow, we have missed you. It's quite miserable at home without you. What an age it seems since you were here last!' Laurie gave her a friendly kiss, but shook his head in response to her question. "'Well, how does it feel to be the rich Mr. Lawrence again, sir?' inquired Beth, when he reached the step. Laurie looked down at her with a twinkle in his eye as he answers, "'It feels as if I were rolling in wealth, sister, and couldn't get out. But it is nice to be a gentleman of property once more.' "'And how do you mean to spend your fortune, sir?' asked Joe, shaking hands with him. "'Why, I shall buy back the old farm and make a home there, and keep a few cows from milking, and grow five or six acres of corn and potatoes, and raise all manner of vegetables and fruits, and shall never miss the luxuries, for I shall sell enough of them to buy my simple wants.' Joe's eyes lit up. I should love to help you, she said warmly. It would be splendid fun to live on the old place again, wouldn't it, Meg? Meg shook her head. I couldn't think of it, she said. But if you and Joe would like to try, I should like to help you all I could. Perhaps I could send over a lot of my old playthings to the little girls. The offer delighted the children, but Laurie said regretfully, I could not allow you to do that, for I should be ashamed to have you work for my benefit. I should have to repay you by and by, you know. Joe felt hurt at his refusal, but Meg said cheerfully, I don't believe you need to be at all ashamed, sir. I would happily take repayment in the form of corn and potatoes and all sorts of vegetables, for I should like to help you all I could. I don't like to trouble you, ma'am, said Laurie, reddening again, for I can get along very well as I am. 
So Lori began his farm and would not let either Joe or Meg help him. Instead, they watched him anxiously from a distance as he perseveringly cleared away the snow and built his fences and his barn and planted his corn and his potatoes. Once he made them a visit, and while he told them there of his plans, he begged them not to tell anyone where he was. But this is your land, Joe said, confused. Doesn't everybody already know? Who are you hiding from? Lori shook his head. It's not my land, he answered. It belongs to my Uncle James, who lives in England. I could not sell it even if I wanted to, for he has no children, and when he dies it will go to strangers. So I have taken the liberty of fixing it up and living here in the meantime. But if Uncle James finds out I'm here, he will disinherit me and turn me out, so don't tell, please. Why, we thought you had quarreled with Uncle James, said Joe in a surprise. Is it because he won't let you marry me? No, indeed, he's in favor of our marriage. Our quarrel was over politics. He thought me a dangerous radical and thought I had better leave his house. So I went away, intending to work my passage on a vessel bound to South America. But I found myself so lonely and homesick that I came back again. And here I am. Well, I never, cried Amy. We thought you had gone off in disgust because we couldn't go to the seaside with you. But then we couldn't go, you know, for father was ill. The sisters all became solemn for a moment, remembering their dead father, but then their conversation eagerly turned to Lori's plans for setting up house with Joe. "'Couldn't you get married here, sir?' asked Beth timidly. "'I should think so indeed, but I don't know as—' "'But your uncle wouldn't allow it.' "'He doesn't have to know,' Joe said. "'We could get married anywhere now, couldn't we, dear?' "'Yes, anywhere, and the sooner the better,' said Amy decidedly. "'Why, I—' began Lori, but he stopped short, remembering his promise not to tell. Even Joe could not know his secret, that he loved her and had come back to make her his wife.' So Laurie shook his head and said nothing, and Joe said no more, but went on preparing the wedding supper with as much zest as ever. The day of the wedding came, and Laurie and Joe were married with great pomp by the Justice of the Peace, who stood in Laurie's kitchen, while Joe and Laurie and Amy and Aunt March sat at the table with the babies and watched the proceedings with great delight. But the trouble began after the wedding. Uncle James wrote Laurie a letter, which, after some little delay, was put into his hands by Aunt March, and Laurie read the following. Dear Nephew, I have decided to let you and my niece live on my property, with one condition. You must never come to see me or my niece again. If you come to my house, I shall turn you out of your cottage and off my property and never let either of you live in my house as long as you live. You must also make sure my house is never left without someone in it, day or night, or it will be burned down. That is all I have to say. If you have anything to say, please say it and not bother to write. Goodbye and good luck, your Uncle James. Joe and Lori looked at each other, feeling very much abashed, and a little frightened, too, for they did not like the way Uncle James had of doing things. "'Isn't he dreadful?' murmured Joe. "'Yes, and the worst of it is, I don't believe he is in earnest.' "'You mean we could ignore him, and we'd, he'd do nothing about it?' "'Yes, I think so.' "'Well, then we will!' cried Joe with a merry laugh. "'I wonder if he is really in earnest and means to burn our house down. How dreadful that would be!' "'I don't think he'll do it.' So they began leaving their house alone, testing the waters to see if Uncle James would notice and burn it down. For a while, they seemed safe. But one morning, when they were having breakfast, Aunt March looked out of the window and cried, "'Why, your house is burning to the ground! My goodness, what will become of us?' They looked out and saw it was indeed burning down. "'He actually did it,' Lori said. "'I can't believe it!' "'Run and save it!' cried Aunt March, wringing her hands in despair. "'I declare I should think he'd give us notice or make us some other sort of trouble.' Oh, he couldn't! Lori went running across to their former home, watching as it burned to the ground and crying. My poor house, my poor dear house, he murmured, as the flames climbing higher and higher finally died out. But oh, what shall we do now? cried Aunt March. She had been living there with them and now had no home either. 
Oh, I'll build you another house, Auntie, said Amy. But people will say I burned down my own house, objected Aunt March. Well, that won't matter, for it won't be your house. And they all set to building a new house for Lori, Joe, and Aunt March. Uncle James wasn't going to destroy their lives. If you would like to suggest a book or be a guest reader on The Bot Cannon, please email us at thebotcannon at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at thebotcannon. <laughs>